Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. I got a quick comment to make before we jump in. This is just for Church Online. We are going to be having communion at the end of the service today. So if you would like to take a minute and grab something, whether you got bread or juice, or if you're already having a mimosa for breakfast, you could use that maybe. I don't know. Have that in your pancake, whatever. But we're going to have communion at the end. Anyway, all right. How many of you love the questions kids come up with? How many of you know they're kind of crazy sometimes? It's just like, what are you talking about? I've got some, these are fun. These are actual tweets, questions kids have asked. You ready to go? Here we go. This is from a seven-year-old asking his mom after a drug awareness program at school. Mom, how do you smoke a pot? Do you stick your head in it? What are they breathing in? Won't the steam burn you if the stove is on? I like that one. Here's a three-year-old. If I eat a leprechaun, will my poop turn green? <laughs> Why? This is a great one. Why did swear words get invented if we're not allowed to say them? This is another. This is like a. This is another one. Does the letter W start with D? <laughs> good question. Should have named it Wubble U. How do mermaids go potty? I like that one. Is sand called sand because it's halfway between sea and land? That is a smart kid. Very smart kid. I like this was my favorite. Why don't crabs have eyebrows? <laughs> this is, okay, so this is, a, this is a true life. This is my favorite. This is my daughter. Six-year-old Samara. How does a baby get out of your tummy, mom? After, after I gave her an honest explanation what the birth process was, she was like, I want to stay six years old for the rest of my life. <laughs> That is a true story, and I laugh every time I think of it. It's so funny. Questions. You ever had questions that are hard to get answers to? And if you're tuning in for the first time or you're joining us here in the room for first time, we are on a series, we're wrapping up a series called Hungry, Hungry Humans, and we've been looking at the how to redirect the hunger in our lives. We've been learning how to discover and then what to do with spiritual hunger when it shows up in our lives because sometimes spiritual hunger shows up as different things. It shows up as emptiness. It shows up as discontent. It shows up as restlessness. Well, one of the ways spiritual hunger shows up is through questions. It manifests through questions. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, the questions of, you know, what's your favorite Netflix binge or what am I going to do with my life or what? Do you eat carbs? You know, would you rather? It's not those kind of questions. I'm talking about the deeper soul searching, um, sometimes hard to answer spiritual or faith related questions. Questions that often take the form of doubts or uncertainties, God, how could you, God, why, I don't know what I believe, you know, maybe you've fallen into some of those categories, and you know, just to clarify, just because I think a lot of times we, we have this idea, don't question, don't question, questions are good, 
questions are how we learn. They're how we wrestle with our faith. God wants us asking questions. He gave us a brain. It's more than just for math and science and English. He wants us to use our brain. And even the questions that are sometimes tinged with doubt. I know a lot of times as Jesus followers, sometimes if we have doubt, we can kind of feel guilty and we think something's wrong with me. You know, sometimes even questions that are tinged with doubt, they can be good questions, but not all questions deserve our attention. And I'm not talking about the how do mermaids go potty questions. I'm talking about the questions in our heads that... You know what I'm talking about? Those questions in your mind, whether they're actually in a form of a question, God, how or God, why or God, whatever, but they're more in the form of different things that were just, ah, why can't I let this thought go? Anybody have those? Why can't I just shake this? Why can't this just go away? And Paul warned his young friend Titus, who was actually his, his protege, in Titus 3.9, he said, but avoid foolish questions. Avoid foolish questions, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they're unprofitable and vain. So in other words, some questions don't deserve our attention. Not just questions people ask, but sometimes the questions in our head don't deserve attention. And here, if we think about it, if you know the creation story at all, God's good creation was broken by humans mismanaging a dangerous question. Creation was broken when humans mismanaged a dangerous question. What was that question? Well, it was when the serpent appeared to Eve when she was by herself in the garden. As far as we know, she was by herself. And his question was, he didn't present it with, here's some fruit. Doesn't it look good? You should eat it. No, his first question was, did God really say Did God really say that? Well, did God really say that? Did he? We got to make sure we're managing questions because questions can be tricky. And questions in the form of a hunger, you know, just, maybe you can relate this. I know when I get really hungry, it's easy to just stuff my face with anything. I, I did this last week. I was so hungry. It was like 3 o'clock. I hadn't eaten anything. And I got home, and I was just like eating, like, I put all the meat, I put all the cheese, I put all the stuff. It's just like, what am I doing? I'm so hungry. It's easy to stuff your face on whatever is around when you're really hungry, right? Well, in the same way, with certain questions... We need to be careful because we can mismanage the hunger of certain questions and we can end up feeding on something. We can end up getting pulled by the currents of our time, pulled by the currents of the dialogue of our culture, and we can end up feeding on something that appears to fill that hunger but it's actually very toxic for our soul. So how do you know which questions are good? How do you know? How do you know which questions to engage in? Well, I got two things and a story. You ready to go? Two are practical, one is a story, and then we're gonna have some fun. All right, how to wrestle well. 
how to wrestle with your questions. How do you wrestle with things when they start flooding into your mind or maybe they're just that nagging little thought? You gotta learn how to question your questions. Can you say that? Question my questions. I gotta question my questions. And here's the first question to ask. What direction is this question taking me? What direction is this question taking me? See, questions can actually pull us deeper into trusting or deeper into doubt or deeper into skepticism or deeper into fear or deeper into isolation or deeper into trusting in human reasoning. And see, here's where we need to be gut level honest with ourselves. What is it? I'm really looking for. When the question's there, what is it that I really am looking for? Because see, a question is a hunger that's directing me to some type of soul food. The questions, those deep, hard to answer, kind of uh, spiritual or faith-related things that are kind of hard to answer, it's really a hunger that's directing me to some kind of soul food. So the question we gotta ask ourselves, what are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? See, we might think we actually are wanting answers, but really our soul is looking for something else. We might think we want answers, but really our soul is looking for something else. I'll give you an example, here's a question. God, why don't I have any friends? Now. Do we really want an answer? No, we want friends. <laughs> so is it true? Like, just think about it. I don't want an answer. I want friends. Here's another one. God, why did you let my friend die? That's a hard one. Do we really want an answer? No. We want pain relief. We want the hole in our heart to be filled. We actually want our friend back. That's what we want. I don't want an answer. My soul wants something else. Here's another one. God, why did you make me this way? Now, are we really looking for an answer? Or is our soul longing for us to be different? I wish I wasn't this way. I want to be something different. God, why didn't you answer my prayer? Do we want an answer to that question? No, we want the answer to our prayer. We want whatever we were praying for. So you understand, sometimes we think we want answers, but our soul wants something else. And here's what we need to address. Are the questions I'm asking taking me in the right direction? Are the questions I'm asking taking me in the right direction? Here's an example. Let's pretend the drums are the answers. They are the answer, <laughs> says our drummer in the front row. They are the answer. How many of you are so thankful for the drums? Oh, we love the drums, and we love the drummer. We love the drummers more, yes we do. But if I am going in the direction of answers, but let's say the keys are the something else that my soul is longing for. As long as I'm going in this direction in the answers, I'm never going to go towards what my soul is longing for because I'm just going in this direction. 
What direction are your questions taking you? See, I need to ask, what direction is my heart leaning? Is my heart leaning in the direction of the God who loves me? The God who made me? The God who has given me life and who's given me purpose, even though I might not be certain about him? Is my heart going in that direction? The real answer Am I leaning in the direction of knowing him more even if I'm uncertain? I might have a curiosity and that's good. But is my heart leaning in the direction of what my soul is longing for? Or is my heart leaning in the direction of something else? Am I leaning in the direction of knowledge? Am I leaning in the direction of pain relief or security? Now, none of those things are bad. It's not that we just, knowledge is good. You need to have knowledge, it's good. We need to have knowledge about who God really is. We need knowledge. Pain relief is good. God doesn't want us to suffer in pain, although sometimes we do. None of those things are bad, but here's the thing. They might provide a temporary answer, but our soul is still gonna be hungry in the long run. See, the hunger of those deep, not easily answered spiritual or faith-related questions, the answer of those questions, the hunger of those questions is meant to get us seeking after God. And see, if your questions are leaning or taking you in the direction of the person of Jesus Christ, I love this, in whom Colossians 1.18 tells us everything finds its purpose in Jesus Christ. Colossians 2.3 says, in him all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are embedded. See, if my heart is leaning in the direction, if that hunger is taking me in the direction of Jesus, and, and my, the hunger in my soul for answers is going to be filled by him. And this is why Colossians 2, 9, and 10, everything of God gets expressed in him, Jesus, so you can see and hear him clearly. When you come to him, that fullness comes together for you too. That fullness our soul is looking for, that completeness, that answer, the answers that our soul is looking for is found in Jesus. See, we look for answers, but God really wants to just give us himself. And with himself will either come the answers or will come the grace and peace to live in the, ambi uh, the ambiguity of the not answered questions. So it's him our soul is longing for. So the first question, what direction are these questions taking me? And here's the second one, who or what are you dialoguing with? Who or what are you dialoguing with? See, who we're dialoguing with is as important as what we're dialoguing about. Let me give you a Greek lesson. Are you ready to learn some Greek? Here's a Greek word. Dialogismo. Dialogismo. What does that sound like? Dialogue. It's where we get the word dialogue from. But it is a word that means a thought an inward reasoning, an opinion, questioning. And it's also translated as the word doubt. Luke 24, 38. Jesus used this word when he 
continued, he said to them, don't be upset. Don't let all these doubting questions take over. You know another word he used for doubt? Kind of similar. Diacrino. Diacrino. It's another word for doubt. And that word literally means to separate oneself or withdraw in doubt. See, we're made to wrestle, not alone, with the stuff going on up here. Sorry, I flipped my hair in my face. <laughs> we're meant to wrestle through the tough stuff together. And any question that is calling, causing you to isolate is a dangerous question. Because you're going to end up dialoguing with the wrong person or the wrong thing. I will give you a very personal example. This happened just last week. There was, I was, how many of you ever had those ruminating sessions in your head? You know, when you got the dialogue going, you're having a conversation, and there was some stuff going on that I was just really worried, and it was starting to get me very anxious and worried about, and I was having, it was just like, one night I was laying down, I was trying to do my, you know, power snooze and trying to get rejuvenated. I was just laying there very quiet, and and I was going, it was the dialogue in my head. It was going off. And I was like, oh man. And you know who I was dialoguing with? I was dialoguing with the wrong thing. <laughs> because as I'm having these conversations and the thoughts in my head and God, what about? And what about? And what about this? And what about that? And I don't know. And maybe it's this. And maybe it's that. And it was getting really worked up. And I heard so clearly, you know, you're having a much longer conversation and a much in-depth conversation with fear right now than you are with me. <laughs> Dang, is right. Who or what are you dialoguing with? Are you dialoguing with fear? Are you dialoguing with resentment or revenge? Is fear answering the questions of your life right now? Is hurt answering the questions of my life right now? Is the current times we live in or the current culture we live in answering my questions right now? Am I engaging in as much conversation with the God who knows everything and the God in whom all things are together, all wisdom and knowledge is found in him? Am I dialoguing with that God or am I dialoguing with all these other things? Doubt or trust depends on who or what we're dialoguing with. So what direction are my questions taking me and who or what am I dialoguing with and now here comes a story and I want to end with a story with two of the disciples this is after this is actually on resurrection Sunday Easter Sunday Luke 24 and these are two of the disciples who had been with Jesus for several years. They've been following Jesus. They've been walking with him. They've been living with him. They've been doing all sorts of, they've been doing life with him. They just seen him three days earlier. They just seen him brutally crucified, put in a grave. And they were just like, they'd heard some rumors that he rose and he was alive. And some of the women saw him, but they're like, I don't know if we can believe the girls. You know, you just don't know. I mean, Luke 24, 13 
The same day, two of them, two of the disciples, were walking to the village Emmaus, about seven miles out of Jerusalem. They were deep in conversation, going over all these things that had happened. And in the middle of their talk and questions, Jesus came up and walked along with them, but they were not able to recognize who he was. This is just so cool. I love this. Can you imagine? You're walking with Jesus, and it's just like they don't even know him. They've been doing life with him for three years. It's like no clue who he was. They weren't able to recognize who he was. And he asked, what is this you're discussing so intently as you're walking along? And they just stood there, long-faced, like they'd lost their best friend. And then one of them, his name was Cleopas, said, are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what's happened during these days? And Jesus was like, what's happened? I think this is so funny. Like when you just put yourself in this conversation, it is almost comical. And I think Jesus had to keep from laughing. What's happened, they said. Well, the things that happened to Jesus in Nazarene, he was a man of God, a prophet. He was dynamic in work and word, blessed by God and all the people. And then our high priests and leaders, they betrayed him. They got him sentenced to death and crucified him. Here's a key statement. And we had our hopes up that he was the one. The one about to deliver Israel. Now it's the third day since it happened, but some of our women have completely confused us. Early this morning, they were at the tomb and couldn't find his body. They came back with a story that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of our friends went off to the tomb to check it and found it empty, just as they said, but they didn't see Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, so thick-headed, so slow-hearted, why can't you simply believe? So this is what's even funnier. It's like they're walking with somebody they didn't know was Jesus, and then he has the audacity to, like, call them out. It's like, you guys are idiots. Like, I wonder what they thought. Like, who are you? Don't you see that these things had to happen, and that the Messiah had to suffer and only then enter into his glory? And then he started at the beginning with the books of Moses and went on through all the prophets, pointing out everything in scriptures that referred to him. They came to the edge of the village where they were headed. Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they pressed him, stay, have supper with us. It's nearly evening, the day is done. And so he went in with them. And here is what's happened. He sat down at the table with them Taking the bread, he blessed and broke and gave it to them. And at that moment, everyone say, at that moment. Online, write it in the comments, at that moment. At that moment, open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognized him. And then he disappeared. Didn't we feel on fire? as he conversed with us on the road, as he opened up the scriptures for us. And how many of us can relate to this? You're pouring through your Bible. I want to understand this and I'm not getting it. (laughs) See, what they had believed or thought they were believing in had left them with more questions. We had thought, we had hoped. Why, what, we don't get it. And what they had believed wasn't wrong. Who Jesus was hadn't changed. What he was doing 
hadn't changed. They were just stuck. And see, even though Jesus was present with them, they were in the presence of the living Savior. And he was teaching them from the scriptures. Now you could put that in our context today. I was listening online to church. I was in the room at church. I was worshiping. I was in the presence of God. I was listening to the message, but I didn't see him. It wasn't until, of all things, they ate together. They had a meal together that their eyes were opened and they were able to encounter Jesus. And then everything they heard made sense. Didn't our hearts burn when he was talking to us? In other words, oh my gosh, why didn't we clue in? See, the hunger in our soul might start with questions, but it's always gonna be satisfied with the person and his name is Jesus. I know, and this is where we might, we might say, well, I can't see him, I can't hear him, I can't really feel him. There's nothing concrete to put my hands on. They had a body there in front of them. Well, they still didn't see him. But here's the thing, you know what? Jesus has given us something concrete. He gave us food. He gave us a meal. And the very last supper he had with his friends, he said, take this bread, it's my body. Take this cup, it's my blood. And every time you do this, remember me. Remember me. And I want, you, I want to invite you to go ahead, grab your little communion cup online. Hopefully you have your stuff together, whether it's your pancakes and mimosas or something else. And I just have some stuff, I just have some questions to pose to us, some things for us to consider today. See, I wonder what if the greatest questions of our soul are not found in logic, and human reasoning or in answers. But what if the, what our soul is looking for, what if the greatest questions, those answers are gonna be found in a meal with others? You know, we've, something, you know, when we do this, this is something we can touch. And yes, there is a mystery to it. Am I saying drink this and eat this and all your questions will disappear? Absolutely not. But what if the mystery, that communion, that the bread and the cup are, what if that mystery is more than just a ritualistic thing we do? Of all of the things Jesus could have left his disciples with, he could have left them with a really long, written out instruction manual, but he gave them a meal. And I wanna to submit to you, 
I wonder if there's something more powerful in our gathering together, not just over something like this, but in our togetherness as a meal, when we eat together, when we fellowship together, when you're looking another human being in the face and you can ask the deepest questions of your soul and have them answered or maybe not fully answered, but at least you can talk about them and come together in a place where Jesus is in the center, Jesus is in our midst, and you have a human being that can look you in the eyes and say, I don't get it either, but let's keep following him together. Let's keep loving him together. Let's keep searching. Let's keep pursuing. We need each other, church. We need each other. I want to invite you to stand online. I want to invite you to, hopefully you're with someone. You're not watching alone. But as we take this bread and cup, if you are with someone that you can like face, just kind of maybe get in a group. And if you're not, if there's someone close to you that you're not too concerned about getting too close to like just kind of look at them please nobody be alone and if you are just kind of maybe turn around or somebody ask you to join like from afar or something but I really want to believe that as especially any of those you're watching or you're here in this room that there are deep questions that you have been struggling with things uncertainty that as we take this bread and this cup together and online with you as well that we could believe that the peace of God comes in to overtake what could be dangerous questions and give us his peace, give us himself as the answer, amen? And as we do this, before we do this, I wanna pray, I wanna invite you to pray, and it's a prayer of saying, yes, Jesus, I want you. Before we do this, we receive the life that he has to offer us, and so if you've never said yes to following Jesus, can we pray this prayer together? Just say, Jesus, thank you for everything that you've done to save me. Thank you for your presence with me. I say yes to following you, to being with you, and I thank you for a brand new start today. Amen, amen. Now let's take this, let's take the bread, let's take the cup, you can do whatever order you want. Okay, yes, sorry, if there anyone, if you didn't get one when you checked in, just put up your hand and the team will come around. If you need one, just put your hand up. Sorry, I should have checked before. Everybody good? I wanna end with this quote from a very good friend of mine, and I'm just gonna end in prayer. This is from one of the best books I've read this year. How Did I Get Here by Chris Kane. If you haven't read it yet, you gotta get it. She said, there will always be answers. We have to accept that we might not want to hear. There will always be answers we may never understand. In the meantime, can we trust when we don't understand? Can we believe when we don't understand? Can we view answers as a help but not as our hope. Jesus is our hope. Can I pray? Can we pray together? Father, I pray even right now 
God, as we go into a season where, God, we're going to be able to legally gather again with people, God, I pray that you would move something in our hearts that would be almost like a compelling, we can't help but gather with your, with our family, gather with the family of God, gather with other believers in a way that, God, we can represent you well. And God, I pray especially for those that, Father, even today that are watching online or tuning in later, watching online or gathered in this room where there is uncertainty, where there is fear, where there is doubts, where there is that unrelenting angst of God, why? Lord, I pray even now that, Lord, there would just be a sense of your peace, a sense of your grace that would settle on every restless, discontent, angry, frustrated soul that your, your presence would be more than enough. God, that your presence would become so real today to them. God, that there would be a peace that would re replace all of that uncertainty and the grace to trust you. The grace to trust you. And God, we thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.